0: For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells and this is Union Strong. Nurses at Albany Medical Center Hospital chose to belong to a union three years ago. They voted overwhelmingly in favor of becoming members of NYSNA, the New York State Nurses Association. NYSNA is the largest union and professional association for registered nurses with more than 40,000 members, and they're affiliated with the New York State AFL-CIO.
1: Is the president of NYSNA, the New York State Nurses Association, Judy Sheridan Gonzalez? Give it up! Thank you!
0: They rallied together outside the hospital recently, surrounded by supporters from the labor movement to raise awareness to staffing issues and the fact that three years after voting to unionize, they still don't have a contract with the hospital. While
1: we have the legal right to
0: join unions, our employers, and Albany Med is notorious, do everything in their power to attack the union and its supporters. New York State AFL-CIO President Mario Salento was among those who spoke at the rally in support of the nurses. Actions speak louder than words. And you have to back up those actions. And the way that he does that, and the way that management does it, is by coming to the table and negotiating a fair contract with fair wages and benefits and conditions of employment. That's how you show respect for everyone. So this is really, this entire situation is really a referendum on management. Nurses were among the heroes throughout this pandemic, and they continue to be. They often risked their own lives, rising to the challenge during COVID, treating patients and saving lives under unimaginable circumstances. One of those nurses fighting for better working conditions at Albany Med, fighting for patient safety, and who fought to save patients' lives throughout the COVID pandemic is Liz Egan.
1: My name is Liz Egan, and I am a RN or nurse at Albany Medical Center.
0: Thank you for taking the time to speak with us, Liz. I asked you to be a guest on the podcast to talk about your own experience as a nurse, particularly during the height of the COVID pandemic. Uh, Here we are more than a year after the health crisis started. Um, So I think it makes sense to first talk about the kind of nursing that you do there at Albany Med. And were you involved in this pandemic?
1: I am a um, what's called a float pool nurse, and float pool nurses in the um, adult world go to over 30 different units. So I was floated to um, COVID floors um, during the height of the pandemic.
0: And so when you reflect on what happened over this past year, what the, what's the first thing that comes to mind? If you're meeting someone for the first time and they say, you know, you say, yeah, I was a nurse at Albany. I am a nurse at Albany Med. What I'm sure they want to hear about what you endured. What comes to mind?
1: Ultimately, it was terrifying. Um, I'm a, a mom also of young children and I have a family and, you know, not knowing what we were kind of getting into and when trying to treat and take care of these patients, um, you know, not knowing what we were exposed, getting exposed to ourselves, but then also trying to uphold the nursing ethics that we were taught in nursing school and doing everything we can to save lives and take care of patients. You know, it was a lot of emotions. It was terrifying, emotional. I saw patients that didn't make it um, that I had. You know, they didn't die on my watch. They ended up going to ICU and passing away there. And that was heartbreaking um, because, you know, you wanted to see them walk out the door. So lots of emotions, um, lots of confusion. Uh, There was, you know, uh, the policies and the protocols around uh, PPE, uh, the availability of PPE um, was changing constantly. We were put in danger at times because masks were being washed and they shouldn't have been. And, um, we were told not to take N95s at one point and instead reuse poppers. And so lots of emotions, confusing at times, emotional, um, scary. Um, and then joyous when you did get to discharge patients um, to go home after, you know, having COVID and stuff. You
0: know, one of the things that comes in my mind is, you know, I can't imagine trying to care for someone, but you're also aware yourself of what you might be exposing yourself to. So, oh, you know, yeah. how, do you, how did you handle that?
1: In the beginning, definitely coming home, stripping in the garage, uh, literally having a change of clothes, sitting in the garage, taking all my clothes off, changing there. I remember Lysoling, um, or like using the cabbie wipes at work uh, and taking them to the car, taking my shoes off, wiping those down, wiping everything down and, you know, and then changing in the garage. And then when I got home, I, I work... Um, into the night so luckily my kids were at home but I couldn't really take a shower to the morning so that was kind of you know I'd I'd kind of wait first thing in the morning I'd take a shower um, and just pray that I wasn't going to give it to my children or my husband and there were definitely times where there were patients that we didn't know that had it and that I was potentially exposed and I that two-week kind of waiting period where you're sitting there going well should I get tested? I'm not having symptoms, but should I get tested? Because you don't want to give it to anybody. You know, it was scary in that way.
0: Did you know other nurses who ended up testing positive as a result of um, being
1: exposed at work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew um, several. Um, One of our floors, infectious disease floors, they had definitely, um, there was a patient that was sent up without being tested and ended up being positive and there were a couple nurses and aides that were exposed and they got it. And, um, you know, that was, was hard to see them, you know, get sick. Um, they're okay. They are okay. But, you know, they were terrified themselves of bringing home to family members. So um, I did know a couple. <clears throat> That got it, and then we did have um, a couple of breakouts on a couple of different floors, and it was in the news. New six,
0: a new investigation underway at the area's largest hospital for possible COVID nineteen safety violations. OSHA is investigating Albany Med for three
1: violations. Department of Health According got involved, OSHA, um, Health. you know, and that's that's scary because these patients, these nurses, are ultimately taking care of patients, and some of these patients are extremely vulnerable, and you know, it's like this never ending cycle of you know who's gonna get sick next kind of thing. So it was definitely terrifying. I was definitely relieved when we had the opportunity to get our vaccines. I got my, I was one of the, you know, earlier groups to get it in December and January and it was a relief, you know, but um, you know, it's still out there. So as much as the relief, we hope that everybody starts getting vaccinated.
0: So at some point did you start talking amongst you know yourselves saying listen I don't I don't feel like we have the right protective equipment or how do we make sure that you know management knows maybe we need different things or more equipment was that starting to happen
1: during this Yeah um, because I'm flow pool you know I was on floors where that those conversations were happening and things are being brought back to management um, and then definitely through Naisna um, with their support, we were able to kind of make our message known. I did mention what I could to my own management, but as float pool, like I, I don't sit in a home unit. So I don't have, my voice alone is, is not as strong, I guess, as uh, those sitting on an actual home base unit. But there were definitely conversations being had and um, definitely concerns being raised to management. And proudly um there were some changes made some really important changes made um later on throughout the crisis where they, they no longer um you know washed n ninety fives and then there was one night I was told when I was on a floor not to take an n95 because I would be reprimanded by you know the man uh, the manager the next day and um that that changed you know with our collective voices. And with the help of NISNA, we, we were able to make that changes. And now you can take an N95 out of the storage unit without getting reprimanded. So collectively, we were able to make some changes for the better for our nurses to protect ourselves and also our community and our patients.
0: Well, and that's, and now here you are, you know, three years into having joined with NISNA with that frustration of not having a contract, which goes toward the working conditions, you know, it's it's about yeah. better working conditions um, as well as other benefits. Um, are you how? I guess my, I want to ask you what you what do you want people to know on the outside of the hospital? What what that fight is like and trying to get to that next point.
1: To be one hundred percent honest, I feel like um, at that hospital it's frustrating and it's really hard especially for the nurses that have been there a long time to just hear them how frustrated they are about 10 years ago I was talking to a a MP there and he said it was amazing they would get bonuses for not calling out and there'd be incentive pay and people nurses were paid well and it was a happy place and now it's just um it's really um it's it's changed a lot and for me you know i had no point of reference because I was kind of new mm-hmm. but it's hard to hear those stories um and it's also hard to, um to hear that we're all heroes right but we we're not awarded a contract and right now the pay the issue seems to be over like pay was one one of the big issues mm-hmm. and it's From my perspective, and I used to be a manager in a prior role, it's it's really difficult to put a performance um, or a discretionary raise uh, on a nurse. And so um, because my manager never sees me as a nurse, Mm -hmm. she's in the flow pool office. I'm on a unit. So how does my manager say, okay, I'm going to give you the. 1.25 and then okay you have a potential for 1.75 and oh i think you're okay you have no idea how how i am as a nurse and and many of those managers especially nurses that are working nights they never see how these nurses perform and so unless you have really specific like organizational goals to base that discretionary raise on it's completely unfair to have a discretionary portion of a raise. so it's it's just frustrating um, because we do make that hospital go round. We keep that hospital going. Our patients love us. Our patients are frustrated for us that mm-hmm. there isn't a contract. Um, and, um, you know, <clears throat> we just need people in the community to, like, put the pressure on Albany Med to help us get this contract, because this contract is going to support the nurses as this hospital should, that and they are not.
0: Right. And you made a good point. That's what we keep hearing about, right? With the, you know, the nurses are and were and still are heroes um, before this. And certainly we all saw what you have endured throughout this pandemic. So it's one thing to just say that. But, yeah, I can imagine you don't feel very appreciated when you're sitting there, you know, three years out and still trying to to settle this this contract. Um, I wonder if you'd be willing to share one other um, thing, and that is, um, you know, you talked about trying to care for people and the the agony of seeing people not make it and, and, you know, not knowing if you're being protected. But you also, for a long time, couldn't even, you know, they're trying to see their 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 families, right? And, and yeah. I mean, dealing with that emotional part of it, I, that must have been a tremendous uh, strain and a lot of pressure for you.
1: Yeah, and especially in the adult med surge kind of world on on all those units, a lot of elderly patients, right? And a lot of elderly patients were hit hard with COVID in the beginning because they're more vulnerable, um, you know, and um, not having the family members there made it really hard to communicate um, with some of them because some of them might have had dementia, um, hard of hearing, you know, you have masks on, Mm -hmm. you have this PPE garb on. And you have a gentleman or, you know, a lovely little lady who cannot hear to save them oh, lives. Geez. And you're trying to talk through a pauper with a mask on. Um, and it made it really hard. And some of those patients were terrified. Um, and there were definitely days where I would just sit there and hold their hand for five minutes because they just had no idea what was going on. And in the peak of the second surge, we had to convert uh, some of our rooms, um, some of our rooms into negative pressure, and they were so loud. So these patients were, one, couldn't have family members, two, couldn't hear or really read the lips of nurses. Oh, and, then, and then having this loud rumbling from this negative pressure um, rooms, you know, converted rooms, it was just hard and emotional, um, you know, for uh these patients and so you know as nurses we try to do everything we get to make it as comfortable for them but at the same time it's that balance of you didn't want to spend a ton of time in the room also because you're putting yourself at risk mm-hmm. for getting COVID so it's it's it was really a delicate balance and it was hard um, to really be the 100% nurse that you wanted to be for these patients
0: Well, Liz, let me wrap up by asking you this: as a as a healthcare professional yourself, and seeing where we are today with COVID, are you are you hopeful for our our future with this uh, pandemic? (laughs)
1: Um, You know, I really um, yes, I'm disappointed that some people are just so anti vaccination, Mm -hmm. and I really welcome. And I say this to people that I'm close with: if you're not comfortable tell me why let me help you find let me help um, you find evidence to make you realize that this isn't a bad thing and I definitely feel like I was at the at the forefront of getting this vaccine I got my first one on December I think it was December 20 20th you know and mm-hmm. nothing happened I didn't grow a third eye I mm-hmm. didn't grow a third arm you know I am healthy. Um, I went and gave blood at the American Red Cross and they did test my, for like the antibodies and it was reactive, meaning I had the antibodies, but never had COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know I'm protected and it's such a good feeling and that, um, you know, our kids, you know, I have three school age children that haven't gotten vaccinated yet. So, Yes, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful we're going to turn the corner soon. And especially with the little ones, get the a vaccination for them, mm-hmm. you know, in that younger age group. But at the same time, I don't want people to get so lax right now if you're not vaccinated, because, or even as vaccinated, you could carry it and give it to somebody. So I'm, I'm feeling hopeful, but I'm still, ca- I guess, cautiously optimistic might be the word. You know, all right, um,
0: fair enough, and you know, (laughs) it's that's very honest. I appreciate that, and also, um, this is Nurses Appreciation Week, Liz. So please know (laughs) that we appreciate you. We appreciate all the nurses. Yes, working so hard every day. The entire labor movement does, and um, and also thank you. I know you have a lot going on, so thank you for being a guest on the podcast.
1: Of course, thank you so much.
0: Joining me now on the podcast is our digital director and the editor of the Union Strong podcast, Kevin Eitzman. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Darcy. Um, That was pretty interesting to hear that first person experience from Liz. Wasn't it very powerful, I thought? She was great.
2: Interesting and heartbreaking. I mean, we both dealt, everybody's dealt with nurses in a a hospital and they are the backbone. Mm -hmm. They're the person that's holding your hand. They're the person that's explaining everything to you. They're the person that's really taking care of you. And they don't have a contract. And they've worked through one of the worst times in our lifetime, in, in my lifetime, without a contract. Mm-hmm. It, it's beyond ridiculous that they haven't had it yet.
0: I know you were there. I was there um, along with our president, Mario Salento, at the the rally just a few days ago. And it's nice to see that support from labor. I think they need to know that. And and um, as Liz mentioned, so people can let the hospital know how they feel and, you know, maybe letters to the editor um, you know, a phone call, a letter to the hospital supporting the nurses um, would be great. And um, as we've talked about in other shows and, and you know, with um, Ryan, our our uh, chief of staff recently about the PRO Act, that's when this would come in handy, right? This is that's what the PRO Act would do. They wouldn't have had to wait these these three years like they are for a contract.
2: Yeah. The, the PRO Act says, you know, within a year of, of signing that they have to go to arbitration. They have to get a first contract because you have situations like this where. The workers voted overwhelmingly to to form a union and management is holding up a contract for three years. Um, with the PRO Act, we wouldn't have to deal with that anymore. But one of the other things she mentioned is is getting vaccinated. So want to mm-hmm. encourage everybody out there, make sure you get your vaccinations. A lot of unions are, are, are holding vaccination events. Uh, they have them for children. I'm, my son's birthday was, uh, 16th birthday was Wednesday. Friday, he had his vaccination.
0: That's great. And yeah. Yeah, you're vaccinated. And I'm, I'm fully vaccinated, vaccinated. my wife,
2: yeah, everybody. So, you know, it's it's important. Let's mm-hmm. do our part uh, to help the nurses and, and the healthcare industry and the retail workers and everybody that we're having to interact with, you know, make sure we get our vaccinations and let's put a lot of pressure on Albany Med and get this contract done.
0: All right, great. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Union Strong Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can subscribe and give us a rating. This has been a production of the New York State AFL-CIO. Our president is Mario Salento. Our secretary treasurer is Terry Melvin.